Welcome to week 99, All the Balls. That's Jake Platter. I'm Justin Miller. Jake, seems like it's a while. It hasn't been a while. How's your week been? Weekend? Anything? Did we do it Tuesday of last week? Yeah, that's why. It feels like it's so been, it's been nine, nine days. days. It's been a long nine stretch. Nine day stretch. Without well, you. it's episode 99, so we thought we'd wait nine days to do it. I want to look back to week one and see how much older we look. It's probably a change. I'm sure I look... Older now. Probably look different. The beard. That was like two years ago. The beard has arrived. Uh, the muscles look bigger. I mean, look at this. Jake, you look different. I look the same, but. I probably look more tired now than I did then. Well, yeah, this is week 99, so we're going to take a little quick flashback to 1999. I'm trying to think of anything. Back to 1999. Is it raining now? Looks like it's pouring. All right, so flashing it back to 1999, the year of sports. Jake, you remember anything from that year? Oh, were you one years old? I was one years old. Yeah, you're born 98. I don't remember it, though. So flashing it back to 1999, starting with the baseball world, the baseball universe, we might as well get this one out of the way pretty fast because the Yankees won the World Series that year, and they didn't just win the World Series. They swept the World Series. For the second year in a row. Yeah, so they beat the Braves four games to zero, and only one of the games is actually very close because they won 4-1, to 7-2, to 4-1, to one, and then game three was a 6-5 game in 10 innings, and... I mean, that was, those are the years where Mariano Rivera was there, David Cohn. I mean, their pitching was stacked, their hitting was stacked, and I believe this is the year Mariano Rivera won the MVP, if I'm not mistaken. I know it was one of the two years. So the Yankees won, but they actually, I think they won three in a row. So that was year two of their, of their three-year stretch where they just kept on winning World Series back and forth. So congratulations to the New York Yankees on that. Jake, you know who won the NHL Stanley Cup that year? The Blackhawks. No, the Dallas Stars won. Season end, talking about not. We're here with the nines. June 19th, 1999. The Dallas Stars defeated. I thought the recording stopped. They defeated the Buffalo Sabres in six games, I believe it said. And Brett Hall scored a triple overtime goal in game six. So, I mean, wow. getting a hat trick in overtime in game six to win a Stanley Cup and being the MVP of the playoffs. I mean, I wish I could skate like that and be pre- making a little shit ton of money. Yep. So that's what happened in 1999. Brett Hull, obviously he went on to have a Hall of Fame career in the NHL, as did Mariano Rivera in the MLB. And then moving on to the NBA, we had the San Antonio Spurs beating the New York Knicks four games to one. Popovich was still the head coach. A few more Hall of Famers uh, on that team. Tim Duncan. Who else? David Robinson. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, I mean, don't forget about Patrick Ewing. Actually, it says he did not play that year for the New York Knicks. But to get there, the Knicks beat the Pacers in six games, and the Spurs beat the Trailblazers in four games. So Mark Sessa, what's going on? I don't know why I couldn't read that for a second. But, yeah, so the Spurs won that year, and Tim Duncan was, of course, the MVP. And we were talking about this before the show. He got drafted only two years before this finals took place. So that. But him and the Admiral were an unstoppable duo. Yeah, so that shows you all you really need to know about how good Tim Duncan was. And he'd, he'd go on to win a couple more, as you may know. And then moving on to the football world, 1999 Super Bowl. We talked about Denver winning it in 1998 against Green Bay, and they went on to win it again in 1999 as they beat the Atlanta Falcons 34-19. to So if you said this would be the Super Bowl this year, I think you'd win a, a shit ton of money if you guessed it would be Denver versus Atlanta this season. Not happening. And Denver went 14-2 and that season. And then I was telling Jake, this is the year that John Elway said it would be his final season 
So he goes off just like Peyton Manning went off. He goes off. out with a bang. Out like a bang, like Peyton Manning went out like a bang. And this is the famous year, the 80-yard touchdown pass to Rod Smith. It's been on all highlights. John Elway, 17 consecutive points in the Super Bowl, pretty much sailed it. And like I said, he became the oldest player at the time, not named Super Bowl MVP before Tom Brady did it against the same exact team, the Atlanta Falcons. And we all know how that Super Bowl went. So those were the four winners. The other things that happened in 1999, you want to tell me what happened with Michael Jordan? You know what happened, Jake. Retirement number two. Yeah, so he went on to retire three times. This is MJ's second retirement. He decided to come back and, of course, win some more NBA Finals and more MVPs. This was the first of Serena Williams' U.S. Grand Slam victories. So and she's still playing. She's still going. She's not as strong as she used to be. but She won a Grand Slam pregnant. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I think the talent's gotten a little bit better. And then also, Lance Armstrong, this is the year he came back after a three-year battle with cancer. 1999, So, and he's, he's not going anymore, but he, he came back from cancer, and he was still winning races after that. So congratulations to Lance Armstrong. Payne Stewart won the U.S. Open, never really heard of her before. And then Andre Agassi won the U.S. Open from the men's side of things. So that's pretty much all the things that took place in the world of sports in 1999. Jake, can you think of anything else? Um, who won the NASCAR? <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Johnson. This is the year that I... What's up, Bridget? This is the year... Thanks. Some drugs before the show. Oh, thank you. We're already on the show. Um, no, just peanut butter M&Ms. I think this is the year I started to learn how to, how to walk, though. Yeah, 19, me too. 1999? Maybe it was 98. Bridget's brother was born. Bridget's brother was born in 1999. Jake probably got his first words in in 1999. Mama. There goes that man. Yeah, so that was, that's what happened in the year of 1999. Besides from that, I don't think too much else. All right, before, well, last time we were talking, I believe the Red Sox had a, a series left with the Yankees before the All-Star break. They already played a series with the Yankees. We talked about the amazing comeback they made. Yeah, and then after that, they pretty much sucked the rest of the way. So going into the All-Star break, they the Red They split the series. Yeah, but then they had another series. A series that we probably shouldn't talk about, but I kind of have to bring it up. Oh. A series that they lost two out of three games to the Yankees. So the Red Sox go into the All-Star break, losers of six of their last seven. And ever since I went to Cleveland, they are six and 14. That's pretty good. Yeah, so their last 20 games, they've won six of them going into the break. Puts them only three games over 500. And the Red Sox are currently not in the playoffs if the season ended at the halfway point today. So are they my, close? yeah, I mean everyone's jumbled up right now. I believe they're two games out. Let's see the standings. Two games out. They're out of the wild card right now. They're out of the American East race right now. And the crazy thing is, the Baltimore Orioles are red hot. Everybody, they suck. everybody in the American League East is jumbled up together. Besides the Yankees, Red Sox obviously have no chance to win the division because they're sixteen games behind New York. Wild card race. They are two games back. It's not bad. If the season ended today, it would be Tampa Bay, Seattle. The Mariners have won 14 games in a row going into the second half of the season. You know why? Because they're hot. Derek Jeter. Der- yeah, Derek Jeter. You. And the Toronto Blue Jays have a couple games up on the on the Red Sox right now. So, again, the season's not even close to being over. It's a long season. The second half's a little bit shorter than the first half. But That's not how halves work. Yeah, it's not. My thoughts before before the break is just... The Yankees completely outclassed them in those final two games, and it wasn't even close. They're the better team. 
Yeah, they are the better team, but are they are they fourteen to one and thirteen to two better? I mean, the last two They're games. They're ten to one better. The last two games before the break, they lost a combined twenty-seven to three in those last two games. That's not bad. Yeah, that's horrible. They won five, four, and eleven innings. The first game kind of got a lucky wild pitch that Xander Bogart slid home on, and then those final two games, they allowed twenty-seven runs in eighteen innings. I mean, that's something that little league kids would probably have a hard time doing against little league teams. So off to a. A bad first half of the season. It, it was promising in those first couple months. But what needs to change after the All-Star break to, to make them back in the playoff hunt? Jake, you have any you have any ideas for this team? By the way, my dad actually bumped into Alex Cora today. True story. How about some damn consistency? Yeah, and it really hasn't we need been... consistency in the bullpen. We need health. We need consistency with the bats. Jackie Bradley's got to hit the ball. Verdugo's got to hit the ball. We need the supporting cast... To come up and be at the level of Devers. Yeah, and this this team started ten and nineteen. They went on one of those crazy runs where they won like twenty eight of their twenty eight of forty games or something like that. And now they've lost fourteen of the last twenty. So they haven't been consistent at all. The pitching hasn't been. The hitting hasn't been consistent. That the fielding's been kind of gross, if you ask me. And I wrote down three things that I think that need a change, or this team's not going to be making the playoffs, and they're going to have to make some major changes. Number one. Because the trade deadline is in, I think it's in two August 2nd. So what's that? Less than, less than two weeks really away. do you think it's worth jeopardizing some kind of future to trade now? And that's what a lot of people are asking. Are they going to be buyers? Are they going to be sellers? Are they going to be just standing pat? They should probably be sellers. The thing is, this team has such a high salary that you expect them to be buyers if they're in it. But, I mean... Can you realistically see them going far? It's probably probably not a not a thing that they're going to be doing because the Yankees are so good, the Astros are so good. But we saw what happened last year. The same thing kind of played out where we got in the wild card game, the Yankees were in the wild card game too, and we won that game and punched the Yankees out of the playoffs. But it's a different story. The Yankees are going to make the divisional round this year, and the Red Sox don't have the talent that they had last year. And it's kind of weird saying that because... I think we're almost more talented. This year? I mean... Except for the pitching. They lost Hunter Renfro and they lost Kyle Schwarber and it's made a it's made a giant hole and in their lost, lineup. They um, lost uh, Edgar. Is that his name? Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo. You hear what happened with him? No. He's nowhere to be found. What do you mean? Um, he left the Tigers because he was having personal problems, and then nobody's heard from him or they reach out to him and they haven't got answers. When was that? <laughs> I think a couple months ago. Yeah, I'm pretty. Last months ago. Last I heard, Eduardo Rodriguez is nowhere to be found. The recent news says he's away from the Tigers due to a, a to an issue one month ago, two weeks that ago. It says mental issue. No, it doesn't. Oh, marital. Then two weeks ago, it says they haven't heard from Eduardo Rodriguez since placing him on the restricted list three weeks ago. Yeah, so he has had what no. The, com- what? He's had no communication with the Detroit Tigers, and what, what happens if it was with the Red Sox? Maybe the same thing would have been going on. So. Maybe we have better marriage counselors up here. Yeah, and listen, we don't know what's going on with him right now, but we wish him nothing but the best. This is a guy that definitely helped the rotation last season, especially in the playoffs. He was pretty good in the regular season as well. But my three things that the Red Sox need to do to help him make the playoffs going into the second half, number one, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, and J.D. Martinez need help around them. Because right Absolutely, now, I said that. Because right now, Verdugo hasn't been Verdugo. Trevor Story hasn't been the, the big-time signing that we expected him to be. Jackie Bradley's been his normal self. Bobby Dahlbeck. Jackie Bradley. Bobby Dahlbeck needs to be demoted to AAA at this point because he can't even hit anything. You're wrong. Every time you say that, he does well. He ain't doing well. I'm done with Bobby. 
He's, no. He's good in MLB The Show. That's what he's good in. I like Bobby. And then besides from that, I mean, Christian Vasquez can hit, but you know he's not that power threat that you need him to be. And then you look around the outfield, and the guys just haven't been producing. Kike Hernandez has been out for two months, and it doesn't look like he's going to be back anytime soon. He was on a rehab, and his rehab had to get cut short because I guess he was hurt again. And right now they need help around him. I said Renfro's gone, Schwarber's gone from last year, and they replaced Renfro with Jackie Bradley, and that's not going well. They cheaped out again, just like they cheaped out when they let Mookie Betts go. They're going to cheap out again when it looks like Xander Bogarts might be gone after the season. So that's, that's my number one concern for this team. My number two concern is that the bullpen moves need to happen, but the bullpen moves just don't need to happen. The thing that's a plus, I think that Garrett Whitlock and Josh Taylor getting those two back and healthy in the bullpen is going to be a huge plus to the staff. Absolutely. And Whitlock already came back and pitched up two, one, two, three innings, which was very helpful, but didn't really matter against the Yankees. And then Josh Taylor is a guy that hasn't pitched this season. So getting that lefty, that durable guy is going to be very healthy. And then Nathan Evaldi just came back the other day. So that's going to be back. something that's definitely going to help them out. And then my third thing is they've played 38 games so far against the American League East this year. Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, and Orioles. Take a guess what their record is in those 38 games. Um, 16 and 22. 12 and 26. I was close. So, yeah, they're 12 and 26 against their division. If that continues, obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs. And they're basically playing 500 against the Baltimore Orioles right now, which they have been playing better. But you can, if you're the Boston Red Sox, you can't play 500 baseball against the Baltimore Orioles. Definitely not. That can't happen. They are four and, about 4-5 and five against the Yankees, which is kind of a positive. But they got to be better against the American League East. And they have about at least another 30-ish games left against the East and a whole second half of baseball left. So we'll see what happens in the second half of the season. But it's a big time for them because... After the season, we might not know if Bogarts will be here. I was telling Jay, Chris Sale got hurt the other day. That was horrible news. He comes back, his second start off the injured list. I don't know if you saw the video. No, I didn't see it. It was a line drive. Look up his pinky. You, don't, you might not even want to see it. It's a gross. I'll show you real quick. But Chris Sale's pinky got demolished, basically, off the, off the bat of Aaron Hicks. And they said the earliest he could come back is probably four to six weeks. So this is the picture, Jake, if you haven't seen it. It's not, not too good to look at. He ran right off the field after it happened. I'd probably He's be, all bleeding. I'd probably be running for the dugout, too. So, yeah, his pinky is not where his pinky is supposed to be, and it's probably better now, but he won't be back for a little while. So Chris Sales, someone that's the, are probably our most important pitcher, and he's only pitched in basically one and one-ninth of a game this season. So that's not one good. One-ninth of a game? He left the game in the first inning. So that's not good. All right, so that's what the Red Sox need to do and what they probably won't do. But let's move to the All-Star break since it just happened. Baseball, the second half started today. Jake, did you get to see any of the Home Run Derby at all? Yes. What do you think about it? You like the Home Run Derby? You a, you a Home Run Derby fan? Fanatic? I think that they need to improve the quality of the pitchers in the Home Run Derby. Some of them throw terrible balls. What actually have, like... Like big time aces on the mound, like Roger Clemens. I don't Cy know Young. somebody that can just throw a consistent thirty mile an hour ball right over home plate. It's I I don't I didn't think that was a difficult thing, but apparently it is. Yeah, and the thing is, these guys are throwing like 30, 40 miles per hour, but sometimes they're not even in the strike zone, and it's a they're clocked. Like yeah, you, know, you can't just like take a pitch. Well, back in the day, they used to do the thing where it was ten out. You get ten outs. Yeah. 
and then now it's I think it's four minutes you get, and obviously as many home runs as you hit in four minutes. But if you hit two home runs at least four hundred twenty feet, I guess they add time. You get an ex- an extra thirty seconds, or if it's four fifty, you get another minute. Do you think? Do you like the way they used to do it, or do you like this new thing that they do now? I prefer the way they do it now, but I just want better consistency with the pitching because I I don't like the old way because I don't think they should be like taking pitches and like waiting for the right ball and whatever. They should just be swinging at everything. Yeah, that you can take five and hoping they're home runs. Um, But I just want better balls down the middle. But the thing you can do now too is you can take a timeout, which I think is. I guess that's it's not stupid. stupid. No, that is stupid. Why? Because these guys shouldn't need timeouts after a swing. Correct. Swing they don't need a freaking timeout. Just swing your ass off for four minutes. Yeah, and a lot of these guys, after the timeout, they actually came back and they looked like a whole new... I mean, they were hitting freaking bombs, but... What do they need to do? Be like, oh, I didn't realize that I'd be have to hit home runs in this. I, now I'm going to regather myself and I'm going to start hitting home runs. You know why they do it as commercials, guarantee it. Probably. It's another... Probably another 12 seconds. commercials they can fit in during the Home Run Derby. So, yeah, but overall thoughts on the Home Run Derby. It was a good Home Run Derby. I like this because... Soto almost won it last year. Yeah, he did. it, And Peter Alonso was trying to get his three-peat, which very unusual for that to happen. But I like the Home Run Derby because sometimes in, like, dunk contests, you don't see some of the best players. Or three-point contests, you usually do. But the Home Run Derby, we saw a lot of... I mean, Peter Alonso is an all-star. Jose Ramirez is an all-star. Julio Rodriguez is going to win the American League Rookie of the Year, it looks like, right now. Juan Soto is one of the best players in the game. Um, Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols is going to be a Hall of Famer. Who am I missing? They were, but overall, out of the eight guys, they had a very, very, very good class of guys that just – Kyle Schwarber, second in the league in home runs right now. And I didn't. I actually didn't put a wager on who I thought was going to win, but if they I had a guess – should have put Aaron Judge in it. I thought it was going to be Schwarber. He wasn't in it. I said they should have. Oh, yeah. I was probably guessing it would have been Schwarber or Peter Alonzo just because he's the, he's the main man, but – Jake thought it would be Juan Soto, and he, he got that one right, so congrats to you, Jake. But overall, I thought it was a good home run derby. It ended up being the two youngest guys in the home run derby in the end, Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez, who's going to be a star for years to come. And Juan Soto came out on top. And I think Julio Rodriguez in those first two rounds before the final round, I think he, he might have left his energy in those last couple rounds because it looked like he didn't have that much left on the table in the final round. He liked 30 home runs in the second or last round. Yeah. And then Juan Soto was just, he knew he was going to win the whole time. Keeping it slow and steady, won the race. And now he, he just declined a, a huge contract the other day. Did you hear about that? I heard a crazy story about that. He was offered nearly half a billion dollars to, yeah, uh, was it a 14-year deal? He turned down a 14-year, $440 million offer. You think he's on the Reds? Nationals. So the Nationals Worst offered, team in the league. Yeah. Let me tell you a story. The Nationals offered him that contract. He declined the contract. As a result, the team said, we are not going to charter you a plane to the All-Star Weekend so that you can play in the Home Run Derby. They said that? So he said, fine, I'll fly myself. He got a coach flight. He sat with the regular people on the flight, flew in, got in at like 2 in the morning, and then won the home run derby. Jesus. They That's, wouldn't fly him out because he wouldn't re-sign. Yeah, well, now I'd definitely not re-sign if I was him. And also, at the, also move on to the All-Star game really quick. The All-Star game is one of... We'll talk about what All-Star games we like the best in a second, but it was a... I didn't get to see any of it because we were at a concert, but from what I know, all five runs were scored in the first three innings. 
G- the AL won for a ninth consecutive year, or is it 11th consecutive year or something that's like right. that? So ninth consecutive year, the under hit again, and that's pretty crazy for one side to win that many consecutive years because it's not I like... I know, and the, the rosters change every year. It's not like... But overall, um, Giancarlo Stanton won the MVP because he hit the biggest home run of the game, and all the runs were scored early in the game, which the pitching always dominates, and obviously when you have the best pitchers in the league, pitching usually dominates over hitters. But overall, I heard it was a very good game. A new thing that they did like that I saw in the highlights, they did a lot more microphones during the game. So, like, Nesta Cortez, in the middle of when he was pitching, he was actually talking to the broadcasters. Like saying, I do like that. Like they saying he was going like, to um, throw a curveball and stuff. They did that with, like, Kike last year, I think. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, in the postseason, I don't, I don't want to see him, like, lose track of a fly ball because he was too concentrated on that. But it was pretty cool watching. He was, like, saying, watch him throw a curveball, and then he was pumped up because he struck him out. But I think they should do more of that during the regular season. Get some more viewership for some of these Major League Baseball games. Yeah, the mic'd up seems to work in other sports. Yeah, I like the mic'd up. Some of these angles they were putting were really cool. They had, like, this one angle they were watching. Like, it was umpire view, and you would see how, like, fast the ball was actually coming in. It was pretty, pretty good camera angle. But overall, it was a good game. Three to two is one of those quick games. But overall, Jake, out of the four major sports, obviously football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, from four, starting at four, what do you think is the worst of the four All-Star games? I think it's very easy. The Pro, the Pro Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, the Pro Bowl the blows. The Pro Bowl is the stupidest thing on the face of the earth. Let me get the list going as to why it's dumb. One, half the league makes the Pro Bowl. They, they, they invite the top players, but they're either going to the Super Bowl because the Pro Bowl is yeah. the week before the Super Bowl for whatever reason, or... It's a, it's a great player that says, I'm not playing in this game. I play a contact sport. Why would I play a game that doesn't matter and hurt myself? So, so I'm, not, I'm declining. And then they invite someone else. Then they don't even tackle sometimes. Ma- they don't tackle at all. There's no t- so it's not football. It's, it's two-hand touch football that has the, the league's most average players in it. No offense to my hometown team. Mac Jones was a pro bowler, and I swear to God... He was like so mediocre. I mean, clearly the sixteenth best quarterback in the NFL last year. That is the halfway point of the league. The sixteenth best quarterback should not be a Pro Bowler. Like it, and everyone backs out of it too a lot of times. That's what I'm saying. Everyone backs out of it, and they end up inviting Mac Jones, who threw like 3,500 yards and like 18 touchdowns in the season, and he's a Pro Bowler. So I don't think it's a uh, something to be. I mean, you know, whatever. You're you're in the NFL. But How many yards did he throw? I don't think it's something to be particularly proud of. I don't think it's a great achievement. I think this, the sport does not call for an all-star game. It just doesn't seem worth it to me, especially after what happened to Tyler Eifert and his like career ended because he played in the Pro Bowl and he got hit in the back and he like broke his spine and his career was never the same. Um, How many games did the Patriots play? 17? Yeah. Regular, no, 8. Yeah, 17. 17. So he threw 3-8-0-1. Yep, so he averaged two hundred twenty-three yards a game. Right, so you don't you threw two hundred twenty yards a game in your Pro Bowl. Um, I it, the yeah, sport, the game sucks. The sport doesn't call for it. The timing is awful. Nobody gives a shit. Um, they the the players aren't very good. They're hardly actually playing football because they don't want anyone getting hurt. I like the the challenges, like the QB like target thing, and like the dodgeball, dodgeball. Yeah, I don't know. They're doing stupid shit, but. The whole thing is dumb. Um, 
if they moved it to like the week after the Super Bowl, it might be like it used to be a little more exciting. Uh, I think it was a good move to move it before. Because yeah. after the Super Bowl is over, over, I don't give a shit about football, dude. I'm I'm looking forward to the care, next season. Do you care about Matt Ryan's regular season after a month of playoff football? No, but like, why is? I'd rather watch it in the middle of before the Super Bowl. It gives you some football. To I haven't watch. watched the Pro Bowl in years. Yeah, I don't watch it either. But I'm it saying is such a waste of time during the regular also, season is better or the also, playoff season. One thing that I I feel like I need to bring up every time we talk about the Pro Bowl. Why is it not in Honolulu anymore? Why did they move it to Orlando? Who wants okay? to fly out there? I do. I just earned myself a Pro Bowl ballot. Send me to freaking Hawaii. Hey, maybe like, because they realize how stupid of a game it is. Like, they don't want to. I completely on like disagree. Flight. I think there's a whole market of NFL fans in Hawaii that have been robbed of their one game a season. Where they could have gone to the Pro Bowl, so move to the U.S. Stupid, they are the U.S. The other U.S. Fool, they. This is so stupid. Move to the real U.S. Why was it? Why are they not in Honolulu? That is a great place to go and enjoy your off season because you're not in that game if you're still playing. You're in the off season. Everyone can go to Honolulu, have a good time in Hawaii, whatever. So yeah, so four that's is the worst. four is the Pro Bowl. Yeah, for me that's four. For me three. Is the NHL game. I'm with you on that, too. I think it used to be better, honestly. Now they do three separate games. It's like East versus Central, Pacific versus West, and the two winners of that play each yeah, other. Yeah, and I, I also game should like, be don't one care game. about hockey at all. But even if you did, the Austria game shouldn't be three separate games. Completely agree. It's, one, it should be it one should game. It should be one big game. Yeah, so now they get the winners of those two games. They play in that game. And overall, I mean, the defense is horrible. Usually these games like 14 to 11, and a hockey game shouldn't be 14 to 11. I mean, uh, Why are goalies allowing so many... It's, it's also a contact sport, so I don't... I, I mean, It's another one where I don't think it's a smart move. I don't blame this on the goalies. They're getting millions of shots on them on goal, and it's just... That sucks. And besides from that, I think the competition, the other things are better as well. They do, like, the yeah, hardest like shot. The, the, they do, like, the... Hardest shot. The, the wrist shots over the water into the targets. And yeah, the, over the water. They did. They were on, like, a pond. Yeah. Um, they do the... Yeah, they do, like, the hardest slap shot. Those are fun and to they watch. they do the... The best the, goalie fight. 360, yeah, no scopes. Yeah, um, so overall, that, that's definitely three. Um, number two for me is the MLB All-Star Game. Boo. Um, no, you're wrong. So number two for me is the MLB All-Star Game. It's fine, I guess. It's a fine game. I liked when it meant who got home in the World Series. That was kind of interesting. Uh, they yeah. don't do that anymore. Good for the game, bad for the sport. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, but something Justin and I were talking about uh, last week that we don't like about the MLB All-Star Game is that every team needs to be represented. Yeah, that is kind of dumb. I think that it, the all, being an All-Star is an individual player award. It's, it's not team-related. And I think that if you individually have earned yourself an All-Star bid, you should get there, and it shouldn't be, well, unfortunately, you're the third best player on your team, and this guy who sucks balls because, and their team is ass has to make the All-Star game because he's the best player on a terrible team. Um, yeah, so, like Austin Riley didn't make it for the Braves having a sixth season. They bring Paul Blackburn for Oakland. I mean, he's good, but he's not an All-Star, please. So that is kind of stupid, but I got the MLB All-Star game at number one. Here's why I'm going to say that the NBA All-Star game is the best. Um, I think in recent years they've actually stepped up. 
Um, I think that the, the game has become more competitive. I think it's more exciting. I actually like the, um, the, all, the NBA All-Star Game draft. I prefer that over the East to West. I like that the, there's two captains who get to pick their teams and build their rosters. I think it's a little exciting to see. It's something else. Um, and I like that they play for charity. I like that, that there's reasons for them to actually go out and play hard. They all play for charity shit. No, but they, they play, you know, if you win the quarter, you... Yeah, separate the Kobe thing now. Yep, and yes, and at the end of the game, they say if they do the Kobe tribute. And, the, and I like that the teams actually play hard. It's like the two best teams you could imagine yeah. playing hard against each other for a quarter to see who wins. And I, I do like it. I think it's exciting. Um, yeah, I think the MLB is just the more realistic game. Like, NBA, you're, you're seeing the... Obviously, they can't help it, but... Usually the scores are somewhere in like 170s, 160s, 150s. Yeah, because they don't try for three quarters. Hockey, you're seeing these games that are like 15, 16, 17. Football, they don't even tackle. I think baseball... Football's the worst. Baseball, I think, is the most realistic to the game of baseball. You're seeing these 3-2, 5-4 games. The guys are actually yeah, but throwing... Yeah, that's not why I watch an, uh, an all-star game. I don't watch it for the yeah, no, but I think defensive it's actually, battle. I think it's actually a good game, though. And I like, I like the nice pitchers duel. And the thing is, you get to see all the pitchers that sometimes you don't get to see. Guys throw one inning, 0.2 innings. The guys are throwing 95 miles per hour. I play three pitchers. Huh? I thought you had to play three batters to get subbed. What do you mean? Oh, not in the All-Star game. I mean, in the, well, actually, or you can finish an inning. They kind of fixed that rule up a little bit. But, yeah, I think the baseball one is number one, NBA number two. All right, Jake, yeah, we got to um, plug this in really quick. Then we'll get to some NHL signings that took place. Because NHL, NHL free agency just happened. What? Uh-oh, did I take the charger out? I thought I put it here, right? You got cords on your lap. Um... It's somewhere over here. I'm not too concerned. Is it in my pocket? Yeah, so NHL free agency happened. Usually it happens, I believe it's before the NBA free agency, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know where the charge was, actually. We're on the, we're on the hunt. Kareem. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about NHL free agency in a second. Where the hell did it go? Oh, it's right here. So, Jake, you know any of the moves that took place at all? Um, Pulak. Pulak? Yeah. Pulak, you mean? Yep. How do you know about that? Don't worry about it. You saw it in the, in the notes? Yes. So, yeah, the notes, I mean, the, the, do, the new additions that took place, I guess we'll start with that one. Move all this over here. The devil signed Andres Pulak. You know where he came from for bonus points? Um, Red Wings. Close. He came from the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, the Devils signed him. Close. Red. Both teams are red. So the Devils signed him. This is a guy that was in the, in the main core with Tampa Bay for a number of years. And the main story with this is Tampa Bay just didn't have the salary to basically keep that talented Stanley Cup winning roster. So he signed with a team that has a lot of space to sign guys in New Jersey. This is probably going to be one of their top three forwards, if not best forward, because he came from a Tampa Bay winning organization, which it's crazy if you move a guy like that, probably the seventh best player in Tampa Bay, and now he could be the best player on a shitty team like that. That's what you say about them. Let's get to what the Bruins did really quick. The only really major move the Bruins made, they signed some other guys, but who gives a crap about those guys that might not even play? They acquired Pavel Zaka from the, from the Carolina, I believe from Carolina, and they got Eric Halla out of Boston. So Eric Halla is a guy that was one of the better Bruins players last season. I mean, excuse me, New Jersey. 
They moved him to New Jersey and they got a guy, Pavel Zaka, who's a young forward, about four years younger than Eric Halla is. And this is a guy that's probably going to be on the, on the Bruins' second or third line. And from what I'm hearing, it's a move that many people familiar with the situation really like this addition of the team. I mean, you're getting a guy that's three years younger. Eric Halla was only on a one-year deal in the first place. And now you move him for practically a guy that's younger. Eric Halla might be the more talented guy right now. But with a Bruins team that's in not a rebuild, but a little bit of a rebuild, and you get younger on the forward line, I think it's a move that all parties are going to be happy with. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me check. I think Zach is only 25 years old. And this is a guy that he always seems to do very well against the Bruins, so that was probably part of it. He's 25 years old from the Czech Republic, like a lot of these guys are. And this is a guy that was on a bad team last season, and he was probably one of their top five or six best players. He's coming off a 15-goal season where he had 21 assists, 36 points total, and he already has 69 goals for his career, and he's only 25 years old. Wow. And he's, he was a very highly regarded player coming out of wherever he came out of in the Czech Republic. Sixth, sixth pick of the draft in 2015. Wow. So this is a lottery-type talent that the Bruins got for Eric Hollow. I don't think he's going to get much better because of his age, and we saw how good he was last year. So it's a move the Bruins kind of had to make, and I don't think they're going to do much else this offseason, but it's something they definitely made that made sense. Maybe David Krejci could be coming back. I'm hearing rumblings of that. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Another big-time move that happened, I mean, Evgeny Malkin, a lot of people thought he was leaving Pittsburgh, but guess where he went? Pittsburgh. Went back to Pittsburgh, so, I mean, why not? Sidney Crosby's there. Two of the greatest players in the game are there. You might as well go back to where you know is home, and you could have won a Stanley Cup. The Ottawa Senators signed Claude Giroux, one of the one of the better Philadelphia Flyers players of all time. He spent his whole entire career with the Flyers up until this point, and it's kind of backtracking because I don't think Ottawa is that much better than Philadelphia. Both teams kind of stink. So basically he gets more money going to Ottawa and maybe just finish it off somewhere you're not familiar with. That's all I got to say about that. The Rangers signed Vincent Trocek. And this is a guy that was pretty, he's had a very good NHL career. The Rangers actually made a couple moves. They lost Ryan Strom to the Ducks. They lost Andrew Kopp to the Detroit Red Wings. Two very good players on a Rangers team. And now they get Vincent Trocek. So this is kind of a situation where you kind of just need to get someone because you lost two good forwards. Yeah, needed something. And Trocek's a guy that's a very good player. I think the Rangers are going to be very good next year because they have Igor Shestorkarin in net who just recently won the Vesna Trophy. So uh, kind of a one-for-two move there for the Rangers. Another move that happened, one of my favorite players in all of hockey, they call him Burnsy, Brian, I mean Brent Burns, San Jose Shark defenseman, went to the Carolina Hurricanes. You know yep. him? Yep. He's like 39 years old. You get the beard, you get the mustache, you get the hairdo. This is a guy that he's definitely past his prime now, but you go from San Jose, a team that kind of stinks, to a team in Carolina that's going to be contending for the Stanley Cup next season. I think it's a great move for them to get kind of that veteran presence and hopefully we'll get his first Stanley Cup there in Carolina. Very good move for them. And then two of the final moves that took place, I guess we'll save the probably the biggest move for last, but the Easton Mass kid got moved. John Marino went from Pittsburgh to New Jersey. And for him, I'd say, I said to my dad, I think he's probably happy, even though he went from a, a better team to a worse team. Yep. He's closer to home now. I mean, Not much. What, New Jersey to Pittsburgh? Yeah. He's a little bit closer to home. His parents will be able to make some more games probably. But he's in a situation where New Jersey's kind of in more of a rebuild where he doesn't get to play with Crosby and Malkin anymore. But if I had to pick any team to play for, Pittsburgh probably would have been the spot. Playing with those two Hall of Famers. Yeah, right. And John Marino, they traded him for like a third-round pick and another young guy. So not much really to talk about there. But for Marino, I think it's a move that he's probably happy with. 
Marino's, by the way, now the NHL guy from Easton is in professional sports and same with baseball. Yep. Pretty pretty cool. Put an Easton on the map. Yes. Put an Easton on the map now after that Marino news. And then... NBA player. Yeah. We'll see about that. Ryan Carney to the Charlotte Hornets. And then the final major NHL move that took place over the free agency period was Johnny Goudreau. I'd say probably one of the top 10 players in the whole sport of hockey. Didn't have no intention of going back to Calgary. Signed a massive contract with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Wow. And here, Columbus, they're better than Calgary, but they're not really a ton better. But he said, I believe, it was like an eight-year, nine-year contract. And he's one of the better players in the sport. So putting Columbus on the map more than their other best player, Matthew Techjack, he said he has no intention of signing with Calgary. So I don't know. Wow. If, I don't know if that's they're blowing it up. I don't know if that's because Johnny Goudreau didn't come back, but it probably has something to do with it. But yeah, Calgary's gonna be in blow up mode, and blow out. Yeah, blow out and blow up move in, in Calgary are going on right now. So that's those are the main NHL headlines that took place. And for some reason, I don't know why the NBA free agency always seems like it lasts a lot longer. But the NHL is in a little bit of a a quiet period for the moment after that stuff took place. All right, so that's what happened in the NHL world. The NBA thing, I was looking what happened since we talked last. Only two really major things happened. Yep. What do you, you. you have any feelings? Thank you. You have any feelings about the DeAndre Aiden news? The Pacers signed him, and then the Suns matched the contract. Well, from my understanding, the original tension between Aiden and the Suns was entirely the Suns' issue. Um, they didn't want to play him and treat him like he was a star. He felt he was a, an up-and-coming star. And they couldn't find a middle ground there, so he, he looked elsewhere. Um, the Pacers obviously have opened up some money. They were trying to get a player. And I think the Suns kind of came to terms with the fact that they need eight and they need a big man like him, and they see the talent that he possesses. And then he got sounds like, sounds like they recouped, and, um, and that's why they matched that deal and, and kept him. Yeah, and Indiana has Miles Turner. Aiden I probably, still think the Suns are in trouble as a franchise. Yeah, the Suns aren't getting back to the finals anytime soon. I mean, Chris Paul is getting older. Aiden's good, but and Phoenix obviously loves him. They wouldn't have given him all that money. But Indiana, I guess shout out to them. Them at least they're trying to do something over there with sure. Matherin. They got Halliburton. Halliburton and Aiden would have been a great combo. They would have been good. I don't even know if they would have made the playoffs with Aiden. Probably not. But that team has a lot of so lo- maybe they have a lot of problems. Yeah, that East except for team. that jump shot. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Even if Aiden was there, I don't think they still would have made the playoffs. But, again, at least they're trying. But Aiden probably made the right decision. It wasn't really his decision, but he's probably... It wasn't his decision at all. He's fortunate that he's back with a team that's at least going to... You know they're going to make the playoffs next season. Sure. And then the other thing that happened, James Harden re-signed. Kind of a team-friendly deal to be back with the Philadelphia 76ers. He wants to win. We knew this was going to happen. He likes being with Joel Embiid. I don't think he was that much better after Philadelphia did acquire him last season. I think he's worse. But overall, it's a move that keeps Philadelphia on the map in the East. And you have two all-stars there. Never mind, T- Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey are still over there in Philadelphia as well. Yeah. So Harden's back, and I believe he's going to be a free agent after the season, isn't he? He took, uh, yes. He has, I think he has an option, but he took a he took a one-year, a one-on-one. He took a friendly deal? No, it's a one-on-one. One plus one. He gets a plus one. He gets a player option. All right, so those are the NBA things that happened. Also, shout out to the Portland Trailblazers on winning the NBA Summer League. Congratulations to the Trailblazers. Yeah, congratulations. There, are, there is one more thing. About the Trailblazers? No. Um, it's rumored right now, but from my understanding, the deal is essentially done. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is going to be traded from the Utah Jazz. Do you think it's going to happen? 
I do. I do absolutely think it's going to happen. Rudy Gobert's gone. Uh, supposedly, the Jazz are getting a haul in return for Donovan Mitchell, which means they'll have two hauls. I say it doesn't happen. I say it does, and I'll, I'll even go out on a limb and say I think he's going to the Knicks. Yeah, if it happens, he's probably going to the Knicks, but I think... I don't think the Knicks are going to give him enough of what Utah wants. I'm hearing, Maybe he'll be traded for Kyrie Irving. I'm hearing they might want five or six first-round picks for him, and the Knicks won't do that. But also I'm hearing that Danny Ainge wants to get him out there, and he wants to rebuild the thing very fast. And he thinks he can do it within two years without Mitchell and Gobert there. So Yeah, big money and uh, a lot of draft picks. You know what Danny Ainge likes, and sometimes he gets what he wants. So will he get this? Possibly. I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be in a Utah Jazz uniform when the season starts. And then going back to the Trailblazers really quick, Trendon Watford, I guess, FaceTime Damian Lillard. He was on like a beach in like Putacana somewhere telling him that we won the summer league. Damian Lillard had no freaking idea. <laughs> it was a pretty funny video, I guess. But yeah, Portland won the summer league. They're not going to be winning much else, but apparently J.D. Damian... Davison killed it in the summer yeah, league. Yeah, J.D. Davison looked really good. Juhan Bagarin or whatever his name is looked good. Murray. Kevin Jelly, um, the Celtics signed him to like a two-way contract, the guy from Florida State. Travion Williams looked good for the Celtics in the what summer about, league. Um... Matt Ryan looked good in the summer what's, league. What's his name? Kufingo? Yeah, him. K- Mafindu Kabinjeli. Mafindu. Yeah, he looked the Celtics sound in a two-way. So that was, that was good news Mafindu. for them. But overall, that's the NBA stuff. We'll get to some more of that. The rest of the last 20, 25 minutes of the show, we get some big NFL material to cover. It's that t- First off, before we get to some training camp material, Kyler Murray signed a big-time contract this morning. You knew it was coming, but it sounded like he could have held it out if it didn't happen. Yeah, I think he just wants to get into camp and focus on football. Hopkins isn't going to be there for, I believe, the first six weeks, right? I don't know. I think he, he's hurt or is he suspended. Something happened with DeAndre Hopkins. But Murray... Did he bet on sports? No, he's not Calvin Ridley. I think Murray's in the best situation possible there in Arizona. He's not going to go anywhere else for a while. He signed a five-year six with an option for that 60 year contract. So Kyler Murray's going to be there. And, I mean, why not? Why go somewhere else when you're that young and that talented? In a perennial, they have a, they have a fine team. They have a perennial playoff team this season, I'd say. I don't know. So Ky- not, their receivers aren't very good. They have Hollywood Brown. Yeah. So Kyle Murray's back. The other only NFL major transaction that happened is Kyle Rudolph signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's not retired. I love Rudolph. I love Rudolph. I used to have him in fantasy every season. He's the Gronk replacement, Kyle Rudolph. Well, what I kind of forgot is they they lost OJ Howard to Buffalo. Yep. I kind of forgot that's happened so long ago. So right now. The tight ends are Kyle Rudolph and Cameron Brait in Tampa Bay. It's fine. Probably the worst he's had at tight end in a while, but hey, Rudolph's a guy that I could see getting a five, six touchdowns. Are you talking about Tom Brady? Yeah. It's the worst tight end he's had in a while since his top tight end was Scott Chandler. Yeah, Scott Chandler. That was that was pretty bad. But I think Yeah, Gronkowski... actually I take that back. Ben Watson. Yeah, Watson was Rudolph esque, I should say. No, Rudolph should be better. He was, he's coming off a down year in New York because he was in Minnesota for his whole career, but I think Rudolph's a guy with Tom Brady as his quarterback could be a sneaky fantasy option if, you're, if, you're, no. if you don't have too many tight end options. No. But then again, Cameron Bray could be that tight end number one for Tampa Bay as well. No. What, you don't think he is? No. All right. Jake's on the no train. All right, so next up is Choo-choo. training camp. No, no. I asked Jake... The Patriots, Mac Jones reported today, training. It's starting to get warm outside. It's starting. It's starting, it's to, starting to get warm outside. No, it's starting to get hot outside. Those leaves are falling off the I trees. Don't need it to get any hotter. It's almost football season. I believe we're. Yesterday was fifty days from the opener, the regular season opener, not the preseason opener. Nice. 
So Patriots training camp officially opens next week. So Jake, I said, what are your five biggest questions for the Patriots going into training camp? I'll answer mine. You can answer yours. I'll answer yours. You can answer mine. An- I thought you were going to answer mine. I'll answer everyone. I'll answer yours. I answered mine too, but let's see what you got. Okay. And then we'll do some questions around the league before we get to our two depth charts, and we'll get you out of here. Okay. So question number one. Might have the same questions. Who is the one linebacker for the Patriots you expect to take a major leap this season with the losses of Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins, and Kyle Van Noy? Isn't that crazy? Let me, they lost their let me three ask best linebackers. Questions. I wrote, we will need linebacker depth. Who will be the linebacker to step up? That's pretty much the same question. The answer is Jawan Bentley. Yeah. It has to I be. was thinking about who's going to – we're going to need some bench depth. It, it sucks what they have at linebacker right now. It really does. Jawan Bentley's a guy that obviously has been there before, but he's 25 years old. They traded for that Mac Wilson guy. when They traded Jay, Chase Winovich away, and they got that Mac Wilson from the Browns, who I'm hearing can be pretty good. But besides from that, they're counting on guy Anthony Jennings is coming off a torn ACL. Yep. He barely ever played. They're counting on Josh Uche, who's more of an end. I mean, Judon can play linebacker as well. Derek Rivers. Yeah, yeah, he's way gone. But right now, they, they don't have much in the linebacking core at all. It really at all. And I'd say it's the one spot that causes a major concern for this team. But then again, from the outside in, Belichick is thinking, oh, Hightower's slow, Van Noy's slow, Collins is yeah, slow. Yeah, got speed. We got faster at linebacker with the departures of those guys. But what I'm thinking is... Well, Hightower was... He should retire. Yeah, Hightower is kind of beat. Collins is kind of beat. I wish they brought back Van Noy. Yeah. But overall, you're looking at the names. The Patriots are very, very, very whacked at linebacker right now. Oh, yeah. For sure. I think Joan Bentley has to be that guy that's going to at least be that guy. And maybe Josh Uche. He'll probably make the Pro Bowl. Yeah, at this point. Josh Uche, we've seen step up in the past, so he could be decent. But I think it got to be Jawan Bentley. Sure. Question number two. I can see Duggar playing some linebacker. Yeah, and I'll get to that with one of my later questions as well. Um, Sorry. No, it's, it's all right. You didn't know. Um, number two, what rookie will make the biggest impact for the Patriots? And I think this is an easy layup question. Because I think they only have one rookie that's going to be starting. Thornton. No, but he could be good. But it got to be Cole Strange. He's going to be a starting left guard. You drafted him in the first round. He's the Shaq Mason fill-in as of right now, and he's your only, he's your only rookie that's going to be starting on opening day. Cole Strange is a guy Most that... likely. And that's why they drafted him, I guess. He's their left guard of the future, apparently, and kind of sounds stupid. Drafted a left guard of the future in the first round, but it's an important need. And then I wrote Marcus Jones, the guy that could be sneaky. They drafted him in, I believe, the third or Absolutely. fourth round. He's that, we got two guys named Jones. Marcus and Jack Jones. Marcus Jones is that guy that could be their kick returner as well. So I think that could be a very important role for the Patriots to fill without right there. So Marcus Jones to me, but I think it got to be Cole Strange. Sure, I'm with you there. Question number three, how do you expect the wide receiver depth chart to look going into the season? Okay, so. You doing num- tears? Number one receiver, Kendrick Bourne. Opposite Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, in the slot, Jacoby Myers. Mine's kind of similar, except I wrote 1-2 Parker Myers, with Kendrick Bourne being more of the slot guy this year. No way. Kendrick Bourne is a much better deep threat. And Ken- Nelson Aguilar is going to sit on the bench. I think, My- I think Myers is a better receiver than Kendrick Bourne is, though, overall. Yeah, but... And Myers has been in the system Myers for a while. Myers is the slot guy. But the thing is, that sticks out to me, adding Parker makes... 
those top three pretty good. Yeah, they're, not they're, not they're sensational, solid. but I there's think no, there's no superstar, but they're fine. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I think this offense. I mean, the last couple of years without Brady, you've been more concerned with the offense. I'm more concerned with the defense this year than the off going into the season than the offense. Yep. So Parker's Myers and Bourne are easily the top three guys, and then I also wrote that Tyquan Thornton, the rookie, could. He could leap Nelson Aguilar if he played like last year. Definitely. Nelson will. Aguilar might be forgotten a little bit this year. Now you can see why Harry's gone. I mean, there's no room we for didn't him. Need him. There's no room for him. They also got that undrafted guy, Trey Nixon, who apparently has been pretty good so far in the, the pre training camp. So you have six guys that might make the roster. and They're going to need six receivers. And don't forget, they got Ty Montgomery as well, that um, guy from yeah, the, the Jets. The combo. He's a running back, wide receiver He's type. He's a Packer in my heart. Yeah. So, um,. That, that's our feelings on that. Question number four for me. Who steps up without J.C. Jackson this year for the Patriots out of the cornerbacks? Jonathan Jones. Good one. I wrote that Malcolm Butler is going to have a very solid season for the Patriots. I think he really will. But have, uh, I don't know. And having Jonathan Jones back will help the secondary in extreme amount. So, I mean, it's going to be... I think it's going to be Butler and Jalen Mills probably starting with Jonathan Jones being that third guy. I mean, yeah, Jonathan Jones being that third guy. But the thing what I was talking about when Jake mentioned that Duggar could play that linebacker role, I think the Patriots have three guys that can play linebacker roles. They're going to be, the Patriots' defense is going to be moving all over the field this year with speed. They got Duggar, who's very good. Adrian Phillips is a guy that can play safety slash linebacker. And Jabril Peppers is a guy that can also play linebacker as well. Yep. So I think some of these three safeties that they have can kind of make up for the deficiencies at linebacker. The speed's going to be better than it's been in the last three or four years. But to me, yeah, but you got, how good is the talent? They're smaller. You've got to worry about tackling. Yeah, so the talent to me might not be there, but they, they're they young. Run-stopping is going to have an issue if we're running safeties at linebacker. And I think, I think Belichick loves what he has on this defense. He, he, lo- he, lo- he doesn't have those names that he has. But deep down, make them good. he's looking at the speed. He's looking at the young talent. And I'm also concerned about the D-line as well. My bold prediction for the off before week one, I say the Patriots sign Trey Flowers. I think they should sign Trey Flowers. Free agent. Be a very okay. good signing. Okay. And then my final question, Jake, was how big of a lead can Mac Jones make in year two? Pro Bowl. Back-to-back? Yeah. Um... I'm excited for Mac Jones this year. I think he'll throw for 4,000 yards. I think he'll throw for 25 touchdowns. I think he'll have a QBR higher than 90. Higher than 90. I think it's going to be a solid season for him. You know, we talked about those receivers. Hunter Henry's back after an awesome season. Johnny Smith couldn't be any worse than he was last season. That's a good thing. And then your running backs... James White's going to be back. You got two good running backs, and I think the offensive line's solid. I'm excited for this Patriots offense. You've made mention of pretty much every question I was going to have, so I'll, I'll ask them really quickly. Yeah, just run through them. All right, really quickly. No, we'll do the NFL. How does James White fit back into the offense following his injury? Well, Jake, what I'm hearing is that I think it sounds like he might start the season on the physically unable to perform list which might not be a bad thing when you have Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. But when he is healthy, I think he could become that third down back that he used to be. He's not going to be on the what field is as much. What doing if, if White is the third down back? I think Harris and Stevenson are going to be more of a 50-50 split, and then White's going to be in wow. on third downs. I think it's a situation where you're going to get a lot of rest going into hopefully a playoff season, 
And I think James White's going to be that guy that you might see him line up sometimes in a wide receiver type role as well that they used to do with the Brady stuff. But we're and pretty they, loaded at receiver. And they also have Ty Montgomery as well. He's not playing. Yeah, he, he's going to be more of a wide receiver type. Maybe a Brandon Bolden type because they lost Brandon Bolden. But I think White is not going to – he'll probably play about 25 to 30% of the snaps, if that. But he's going to be more of a receiving type of back. I'm going to skip one of my questions because we talked about it. You touched on this a little bit. Will Jalen Mills be a starter week one? I think your starting secondary week one is going to be Malcolm Butler, Jalen Mills, Devin McCourty, and Kyle Duggar. Why do you think Jalen Mills will hold on to the job over anyone else? Just because he's been in the system. But he's terrible. I think, I think the reason why Jalen Mills isn't that good, he showed a little bit of improvement late in the season. The reason why he's starting is because Jonathan Jones is coming off a massive injury. I think they're going to take it slow with him. I think Malcolm Butler is going to get that number one job because he's Malcolm Butler, kind of the name, honestly. He's our hero. And he's been in the system. And I think Jalen Mills, because he's been in the system before, and they're, they're not too deep at cornerback. But I think by week four, week five, you're going to see Jonathan Jones out there, and you're going to see Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar playing cornerback roles as well. Wow. Okay. But um, the secondary getting me a little bit excited talking about it. Is Ty Montgomery going to play a significant role with the special teams? I think he has to because he's not going to be a significant role with the offense. Unless there's like a major injury or something like a Damian Harris or Stevenson getting hurt. There's no room for him in the running back room. There's no room for him in the wide receiver room. I mean, I hope the guy can block because there might not be room for him in the locker room. <laughs> That's all I'll ask because we, we talked about everything else. And they signed him probably thinking that James White wouldn't be ready but it sounds like he might miss four or six weeks who knows they lost bolden can i ask my league-wide questions yeah yeah let's get to the league-wide thing one thing we didn't mention is the tight ends i'm excited for john smith to be back because i think john smith could have that type of season that he didn't have last year sure offense sounds pretty good defense speed recover let's get the season started sure reload you ready for these questions yeah so we'll get through these ones and we'll talk about the depth charts and Go on to week 100. All right, here we go. Question number one. These are going to be from all angles. You're going to be like, whoa, didn't expect that. Whoa, where'd that one come from? So, question number one. Will Alan Lazard be a 1,000-yard receiver this season? No, he's not going to be. Why? Um, They're going to spread the wealth a lot more without Devontae Adams. Robert Tonian's going to have a nice leap season. He's going to have, like, between seven. I was not expecting you to say Robert Tonian is going to be the reason that Alan Lazard does not have a 1,000 yards. Robert Tonian's going to be have between seven and t- ten touchdowns this season. And the running back is going to be more of a use in Green Bay this season. With A.J. Dillon. More of a use. With A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Lazard's that guy that is looks like he's going to be the number one guy. But to me, Alan Lazard can't be the number one guy, and he won't be the number one guy. He's going to have between 800 and 900 yards this season. Okay. Number two. But Green Bay's depth chart, wide receiver-wise, is This is the most intrigued I've ever seen, been to see Aaron Rodgers in a season. He doesn't have that number one guy at all. Yeah. Question number two. Which rookie wide receiver will have the most impactful season? Not necessarily the best statistical season, but the most impactful season. Hmm. I'm going to go with Jamison Williams. Where'd he go? Detroit. 
mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I think, I think Jared Goff, for a lot of people that give him crap, is not a bad quarterback. He sucks. And when he has some good wide receivers, as you saw in L.A., he can get the wide receivers involved. Hashtag Cooper Cup. Hashtag Robert Woods. Hashtag Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams is going to get involved that in the offense. so stupid. And he's going to be a factor in the offense. And he's going to be a bigger factor than a lot of the other receivers in the league. So I'm going with Jamison Williams. I could pick two receivers that are going to have more impactful seasons than him. Who, you going with the Jets? Nope. Number one, my, my real answer is Traylon Burks eh. in Tennessee. I think that Tennessee is in serious need of a wide receiver, and they're actually a team that throws the ball consistently. Um, so I think that he is going to have the most impactful season of any rookie wide receiver. But I also think that Chris Olavi is going to have a more impactful season. Yeah, he could be good on the Saints. He could be very good on the Saints. I hear Michael Thomas is is not what he used to be, and, and even when he was what he was, he was not a, a deep threat. How about Drake London? Drake London? Atlanta has nothing. Could have a good year. Uh, they got Kyle Pitts. Yes, they do. Do. So they, they, he could be good, too. I think all these guys are better than, than your answer, bub. So You'll see Jameson Williams. Week one. Damn it, I should have drafted him. Let's move on. Number three. Number three. How do Brees Hall... Or four. No, it's three. How do Brees Hall and Michael Carter fit together? Sounds like they might not have to fit together if Brees Hall doesn't report to camp. No, if, if he plays, I think they're going to... Michael Carter is going to get about 70, of the, 70 to 30 work share, in my opinion, because of how good Michael Carter was last year and because sometimes these rookies in year one, they like to string them along very slowly and nicely, so I think that's what's going to happen there. The Jets don't do that. But when Michael Carter needs a rest, you get a great backup, and I think Brees Hall is going to be this guy three to five years down the line that you're going to be drafting pretty high in fantasy football drafts. But he is a Jet. When Michael Carter is on a different team and he realizes he's on the Jets. Yeah. Question number four. Will... Malik Willis start a game this season for um, the Titans. The th- Titans. No, he won't. I think Tannehill holds on to the job. He's not going to hold on to that job that nicely, but he's going to be healthy for the whole season. And unfortunately, if he's healthy for the whole season, Tannehill's the answer at quarterback. Willis, he'll be he'll be there in a couple years. Okay. Question number five. This one is completely up for debate. It's still up there. Um, will Brady coming back be worth it? Of course it's worth it. It's Tom Brady. Will it be worth it his family and Giselle and the anxiety that all that family is going to have encountering? What? I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be, be worth it to him. Yeah, I think it's going to be worth it to him. Why not? I mean, he doesn't have anything else left to prove, but... If I'm Tom Brady and realize I can still be that unbelievable quarterback that I can Hall of Fame quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback that I can be, I think it's going to be definitely worth it. And I think it's going to be worth it when he sees that he still has a very good football team around him that's going to make the playoffs and he has a chance to do some more special things in the league this year when the NFC is not as good as it's been in years past. I think it's very worth it. And he's not in a great division anymore like he was with New England all those years. I think it's going to be worth it. I think he's going to be a top five quarterback in the league again. And I think he's going to realize that he can still play his ass off. Is this his last year in the league? <laughs> Seems like we think about this every year. I mean, yeah. yes, it has to be his last year in the league. Yeah, it is. 
I think it has to be. Those were my five questions. All right, let's get on to my five, and then we'll talk about some Kyler Murray's team and Josh Allen's team. Question number one. Who wins the job in Seattle? Drew Locke or Geno Smith? 100% Drew Locke. Yeah, I think it's Drew Locke. I don't think they would have signed him if they didn't think he could win it, but... They traded for him. Geno Smith thinks it's his to lose. I would agree with him. He knows the offense. Drew Locke is new, but... I just think Drew Locke is a more proven talent. I think he... Hey, if he wins, he might not be that bad. I think his potential is higher. I think Geno is a, is a backup in the NBA, I think. NBA. In the NFL. <laughs> Geno should be the running back. Yeah, Geno... I think Geno is a, is a backup player. And, and Locke is the starter on the right team. Um, and I think Seattle's the spot. Question number two. What rookie makes the biggest impact in training camp going into the regular season? Of any rookie? Yeah. I want the obvious choice. I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett. That's who I went with. I think he's going to be pretty good. And, and a lot of the reason why is because I think he has some damn good wide receivers around him. And he's in Pittsburgh. Not Heinz Field anymore, by the way. But I think I think got to be Pickett. And I think he's going to show that he's going to be that quarterback number one going into that season. Even though they get Trubisky now. Trubisky. Question number three. Who emerges... I'll give you the four options. Okay. Who emerges as the running back one in Miami in training camp? I don't need the four options. You know who they have? Yeah. You know the four options? The four options are... They have four running Gaskins, backs. Gaskin. Gaskin. <coughs> yeah. Mostert. Yep. Um, Edmonds. Yep. And... Um, Why do they have all these guys? Who was the last one? Oh, um, uh, 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 Sony Michelle. Yeah. So, I'm immediately removing Sony Michelle from the equation because I think he's the least likely to. What, what's the question? Impact. Who emerges as the running back one in Miami? Who emerges as the running back one? It's down to two players. Tough. Me. It's down to two players. Um, and I'll, okay. So, Mine was down to two players, too. So I'll explain... And the, one of them was who you eliminated. It's, no, it's not... Why would, I don't know why you would think that. It's not going to be Sony Michelle. I think he's the least talented of the four. Mm. Um, so here's my thought process. There's the most talented player, and there's the most experienced player. So who emerges as running back one? I'm going to say final answer, Miles Gaskin. Um, Who do you think is four on the depth chart right now? Sony Michelle. Miles Gaskin. Uh, yeah, I think they, the most talented of the four is Chase Edmonds. And I think that he, no doubt, will get significant work with the team. I just think that early on, they will probably play Gaskins more because he is the one that is comfortable in the offense. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And knows what he's doing. Um, Watch out if Mostert's healthy, though. Yeah, but clearly they brought all these guys in for a reason. They're they're trying to do something. Um, they have a lot of shit going on. I think Edmonds is the most talented. So I think at the end of the year, he will have the best numbers. Um, but it's going to be a mess. Draft him all in fantasy. Mostert's, Mostert is a good player. He just won't be healthy. I know it. Yeah, that, that's really weird what they have going on there. And they got Tyree Kill now. It's, that's, like, it's like they... We'll see week one. It's like they... Picked up Mostert, and we're like, yeah, this is our guy, but we know he's going to be hurt week four, so let's get Edmonds so that we know he's going to be a starter, and let's get at, let's get Gaskin so we can train all of them, and let's get Sony Michelle because we know he's reliable. What if they trade for like James White tomorrow? 
Yeah, that's that's weird. All right, question number four. What wide receiver from a team that lost a big-name wide receiver in the offseason takes a major leap? So the wide receiver from a team that lost a big one. I mean, Tyree Kill was lost. I'm going to go with an answer that I know you don't agree with. Who? Um, actually, give me a second. Who, Lazard, you want to take? Uh, yeah, well, I'm thinking Alan Lazard is going to have a good year. Um, I think he has to have a good year. But... Ding, ding, ding. But to, to go further in depth with your question, I'm going to say that... The Backstreet Boys. <sighs> I'm going to say that... I'm waiting for people to be excited about the answer. Who? I think Deontay Johnson is going to have a fantastic year. Yeah, he could be good. I think he's going to have a all-pro level season. Better drafting. I think that the loss of Juju, the bad Juju, is... Creating a hole. And Deontay Johnson is the most versatile receiver on that team. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking of the Steelers. I think Kenny Pickett is going to need somebody reliable when he is when he is early on. And I think Deontay Johnson's his best bet. I wasn't even thinking about the Steelers. I mean, there were a ton of wide receivers moved. Juju. Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill. Devontae Adams. Yep. Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is my answer. Michael Gallup has like a torn ACL. I like Michael Gallup. Doesn't he? Yeah, it's, I think it's back to not being that much torn. I think it's Michael Gallup. How do you go with Randall Cobb? I think Gallup's going to have a good season. Wide receiver number two, Dak Prescott. I almost said Traylon Burks. I think he's going to have a fantastic year, but there's no leap for a rookie. All right, number five. What major addition on defense this offseason looks the best in training camp and is going to translate to the season? I went with a crazy name. Did you now? I, I did defense because I said none of these questions were defense, so I had to add a defense. I mean... There's a lot of additions on defense this season. Your, your question's kind of confusing me because I think the most impactful defensive move made was the Chargers getting Khalil Mack. Yeah, it had to um, be. J.C. Jackson. But, yeah, but, I mean, if we're talking Von about Miller. Like, who showed up for training camp and, like, looks good, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. Like, All right, I went with Zadarius Smith. Yeah, that was a great move. For the moving one division, same division to a different team, Zedarius Smith went from Green Bay to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to come to training camp. The girls are going to be like, whoo, look at this guy. Who, the cheerleaders? Yeah. You know, say, the Green Bay guys, girls are going to be like, oh, my God, can we bring him back? Sorry. Already signed. But, yeah, those Green Bay-Minnesota games are going to be interesting. Week one. Do teams ever trade cheerleaders? No. That'd okay. be crazy. Yeah. All right, so yeah, those are the you questions. You try out for a roster spot, too. Let's start with the teams. Two teams are going over this week. You want to start with the Cardinals or Bills? CB. Alphabetical. Bills. The By Bills. City. Arizona. The Cardinals depth chart. Here we go. But before we do this, let me check the DeAndre Hopkins news because that's probably important. I think he's a little key to this team. Yeah, so he is suspended. He will miss the first six games of the season due to violating the league's performance-enhancing drug policy. You're an asshole. 
That is a pretty, pretty big move. He doesn't even need performance-enhancing drugs. He's like the best receiver in the league. Makes you think about fantasy more. Makes you think about a lot of things more. Sure. That's actually nuts. What's their schedule? So the Arizona Cardinals open with... DeAndre Hopkins will be missing games against... At home against Kansas City. Yep. At the Raiders. Yep. Home against the Rams. All three good teams. At Carolina. Home against the Eagles and at the Seahawks. Not a smart move. What <laughs> the heck was that? Sounded like Mr. Rogers. All right, so starting with the defense, who's the kicker for the um, Cardinals? Do we know? Yeah, it's uh, Chandler Catanzaro. No way. It's um, Matt, Matt Prater and Andy Lee. That must be the oldest special teams in the league. Matt Prater's 37, and Andy Lee's probably 40. And Andy Lee is 39. Yeah. For an average age of 38. Average age of 38. Don't draft the special teams in fantasy. All right, the defense for Arizona. They get a guy by the name of J.J. Watt uh, as one of their defensive ends. He's still back? Yeah. Zach Allen from Boston College, their other defensive end, with Likai Fotu and Rashard Lawrence in the middle. It's a pretty good defensive line if you ask me if J.J. Watt still has it. It's very solid. Does Watt still have it, though? Yeah. I think he's got enough. Zach Allen, good. He's very good. Yep. Nose tackle, a little bit of a question mark, but hey, I think they can survive. Linebackers. I think they get some phenomenal linebackers here. Dennis Gardeck, never heard of you. But Zaven Collins, drafted from Tulsa, very, very high potential for him. Isaiah Simmons, a lot of people said he was the best defensive player in the draft last year. Year two, Marcus Golden, another veteran presence. Devin Kennard and Nick Vigil have been in the league a little bit. I think they got some good linebackers there. Yes, I do too. I think that you're on point. They have a good mix of vets and young talent. The secondary, your safeties, Buda Baker. Fantastic. Madden Rankin just came out. I think he was the third best safety in Madden. Yep. And then Jalen Thompson, he's okay, but I think Buda Baker can make up for the whole field at that point. Yep. Safety mark is probably a little bit of a question mark on one side. You get Byron Murray Jr., the young guy yeah, from the, Washington. Yeah, the, not the bad. corners could use some improvement. But then you, you got Marco Wilson and Breon Borders. I mean, it's going to be tough in a division like that with, with the Rams and, and San Francisco. But I think overall the defense is more good than bad. Yeah, okay, sure. Kind of similar to the Patriots, in my opinion, except they don't have that J.J. Watt on the line. I like our secondary better than theirs. Yeah, they get some fast linebackers there. Offensive line, they got their starting DJ Humphrey, DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Will Hernandez, and Kelvin Beecham. It's a remade line. It's a good line. They get some names that you've probably heard of before. And DJ Humphreys and Kelvin Beecham are two very good tackles. Hudson actually came from the Raiders, so he's pretty good as well. Oh, yeah. They'll be blocking for, of course, Kyler Murray. You know what he got? And the he got? Running back situation, James Conner is the number one guy. Yep. Can't be as good as he was last year. No. He, well, I mean, it's... it's Jesus it's, Christ, sorry. Him. Thank you. I mean, it is his job now. Uh, last year, he was a backup running back who had a fantastic season. Um, I th- they must have known that they were going to let Chase Edmonds go when they made that move. Um, and their backup was Darrell Williams. He won't play much. I mean, what are they going to do when James Conner's not in? Terrell Williams, I guess. Eno Benjamin. Who? Eno Benjamin. Is that like Ben Oudra? Yeah. Eno Benjamin. Um, fuck you. That's a horrible name. All right, so that's that's the running back. Actually, I think he was there last year, wasn't he? 
from Arizona State. He's like the local charity case. <laughs> so that's funny. <laughs> that's fucked. All right, your tight end situation. Zach Ertz is actually back. So Zach Ertz is the one, number one guy. I think Zach Ertz is great. Yeah, but something's wrong with him. <laughs> Mentally? <laughs> I feel like he should have been so much better in Philly, but it might have been because of Dallas Goddard, honestly. It was. They, they were not designed to be a tight end-oriented offense, but now he's in a role where he is a supportive, reliable vet and he doesn't. He's not called on to do too much. I think that he's going to have a fine year. Kyler can get him the ball. This is an extremely weird team. And then their wide receivers. Hopkins is going to be out for six weeks. So with him gone, number one Hollywood Brown. Yeah, it was a good addition with but AJ Green. You have, and then you have, have Brown, Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore's not bad. And then Do you have any other colors on roster. Andy Isabella from UMass. I don't. I'm talking about in the name. No, I mean, Rondell Moore can be good. But without Hopkins, when Hopkins comes back, that's going to look pretty good. And, and Zach Ertz there. But overall, it's a weird offense. Kyler Murray's going to have to be awesome to make this thing work. He is awesome. He was in the MVP race last year until he slowed down and got hurt. Yeah, so they'll be all right. But what, you need Hopkins back on this team to at least be... It looks like more of a 500 kind of club to me before he's there. But when he comes back, they could be better. Okay. I don't know. It looks like some major concerns going on for Arizona. They weren't good last year. Expectations were extremely high. Let's move on to the team that's favored to win the Super Bowl this season. That's the Buffalo Bills. Kickers Tyler Bass or Bass. Bass. And then you get Matt Arise as your punter. Bass was really good last season, too. So that's a pretty good special teams right there. This team's Tyler fav- Bass has a monster leg. Huge leg. Team's favored to win the Super Bowl. Why? Let's find out. Your defensive line... Shaq Lawson, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, and Greg Rosso. They basically returned everyone from I last think it's year. Rousseau. Yeah, that too. AJ Epinenza from Iowa. Jordan Phillips is there. I mean, they got depth upon depth upon depth with these guys on the line. And not to mention the linebackers. Matt Milano from BC. Oh, man, do I love him. Tremaine Edmonds is phenomenal. And oh, yeah, they added Von Miller in the offseason. I Who? mean, Von Miller. Who? Von Miller. Oh. Justin Miller? But yeah, that, that line is phenomenal. That's probably one of the top three to top five, top front They're seven. They're a scary team. And then your your linebackers are great. Your safeties, you get Tredavious White, one of the better cornerbacks in the league. On the other end, you're probably your biggest weakness is who's the second cornerback going to be. Is it going to be Taron Johnson? Will Kyra Leem emerge, this, the guy you drafted? Or are your safeties just good enough? It won't even matter with Jordan Papoyer and Micah Hyde. That's what that's well, what happened last season. Fantastic. They're great. It's a great safety combination. I mean, your biggest your biggest thing got to be who's your number two cornerback, and if that's your your weakness, you, your other hey, relax. Sorry, I got too excited. Your other thing should be good. The offense, your your offensive line stay the same for the most part with Deion Dawkins, Roger Saffold, Mitch Morris, Ryan Bates, and Spencer Brown. I mean, I think that's a fine line. You showed last year. Josh Allen had. All the time in the world to block. I mean, for, for get blocked and it didn't oh, really... he could do whatever he wanted. He could. He had time to to look out in the field. He had time to run if he decided to. He got the blocking he needed if he wanted to run. Yeah, that's a good line. Tommy Doyle's backing him up all the way from Doyle's, and then and then your running back situation. Last year it was Singletary and Zach Moss. 
You still have them. James Cook, you drafted. And Duke. And you also got Duke Johnson. Duke. I mean, it's not a great running back situation. I think Zach Moss is actually better than Devin Singletary. But Josh Allen's going to be running the they, football they so both much. suck. And they, didn't, they really didn't care to do much about it either. They, didn't, they drafted a guy. Why don't they take a page out of the Dolphins' playbook and assign, like, seven starters? Yeah, but will the running back situation really matter? Will come in, I mean, Josh yes. Allen runs it. It the, didn't matter last for year. For years, that we've been saying that the one thing they lack is a running game. I'm surprised they didn't do Josh more. Josh Allen's going to get himself hurt if they don't get a good running back. The tight end situation is an upgrade. Dawson Knox is back, but they added O.J. Howard. Yep. If he's healthy, that's a great one to Gronk Hernandez. Put some punch. respect on... Tommy Sweeney. Jalen Widemeyer. Tommy Sweeney's from BC. So, yeah, you get two very good tight ends there. Dawson Knox could have a decent season. That's a good addition. And then at wide receiver, you you lost Cole Beasley. Yes. I think he's a free agent still. But you added Jamison Crowder. I love Jamison Crowder. Crowder could be pretty good. I Crowder's can, going to be nasty. I can see him on Jake's fantasy team already. But, yeah, you got Diggs. Diggs is great. No comment. Gabriel Davis, what did he have, four touchdowns in that game? Yeah. And then you have, is Crowder better than Beasley? Probably. He probably is at this point in his career. And then you have Tavon. Tight. It's close. And also, Isaiah McKenzie's not that bad either. Jameson Crowder is a god. So overall, Buffalo, they're the favorites to repeat. Will they be my favorites to repeat? You'll have to find out on our, on our season preview. What do you mean repeat? I mean to be beat. So I think it makes sense, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about how good... This roster is, and it's it's a great roster. Casey lost Tyree. I don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it's like head and shoulders better than like the rest of the league. But I understand why they're favorites. Start with the AFC East. I think that the Bills are the clear best team in the AFC East. So you're saying they're a division winner right away. That means they have a home game in the playoffs. Oh yeah. So so that's one thing. The team they had the biggest trouble with in the playoffs last year, the Kansas City Chiefs lost their best receiver, and there's so much uncertainty in that division because of the talent of the Raiders and the Chargers. Yeah, yeah. Even the Broncos aren't that bad of a team. So you wonder, you know, is it so easy to say the Chiefs are going to win the division? I don't think the answer is yes. To, to, is that an easy answer? No, it's not an easy answer. Um, the Raiders could win the division. The Chargers could win the division. I, I don't think the Broncos could, but it's not, you know, impossible. Um, more wide open there. They have a fine defense. It could happen. Um, so, yes, it's more wide open. So, to, you know, spread the odds around, I don't think the Bengals are going to get back there. I, they just – they don't have it in my mind. And they have to compete with the Ravens. They have to compete with the Browns if Deshaun Watson gets to play. They have to compete with the Steelers who have a rookie quarterback, but the rest of the team is solid. They have a solid coach. Um and we're looking I at think all the, the Bills have. I think the Bills have the best path. I mean, the Titans and the Colts are going to compete for the division. The Bills are not competing with anyone. So, I get it. They should be the favorite to win. It's the easiest path. The path, the path of least resistance lies in Buffalo. All right, so that we're done with the um, 19 of the 32 depth charts. We have 13 remaining. I think we're pretty much on schedule before the season starts. And we got about 50 days until the opener, which is between Buffalo and... In the LA Rams, that should be a freaking Super Bowl preview. Great, that's what they're probably thinking. That should be a great opening day matchup. But next I week, I guarantee that's not a Super Bowl preview. Yeah, I mean, more likely than not, the odds are against it. We'll oh, be good back. Call, good call. Next week for episode one hundred on all the balls. We'll do something special. Yeah, we'll think we're not going to tell you what it is yet because we'll, I don't know what it is. We'll have some sort of celebration. Maybe we'll have some former someone on the show. Or any cake. 
We will have cake. We should yeah. eat cake. We'll we have cake. cake. Have your cake and eat it. All right, yeah, we'll be back next week for episode 100. And that's about it. The MLB season, the second half of the season's underway today, so you know what that means? People can start betting again. Congratulations. All right, we'll be back. See you later. Episode 100. Eat your cake. Eat your ice cream and go sky high.